Hello world, and welcome to We Live on a Planet. It's great to have you here. I'm your host, Patrick. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 497. I'm labeling this one negative people. It's Monday, July 12th, 2021, and it is currently rainy and dreary here in the fine city of Oswego, New York, right located on the fine, beautiful lakeshores of Lake Ontario. It's currently 64 degrees, feels like 64. Highs are gonna be about 74 degrees Fahrenheit. Winds are currently out of the east, northeast, five miles per hour. Next few days looks just stormy and crappy. We needed the rain though. Stick around when we come back. We're gonna dive into all kinds of stuff and things, our quote, and just some nonsense. We just talked, practice our thought process along the way. I appreciate you being here. Let's do this. All right, here's our quote. This is from an unknown author. Stay away from negative people. They have a problem for every solution. Stay away from negative people. They have a problem for every solution. It's good to stay away from negative people, period. Anyways, they bring you down. Just that stinking thinking. I learned when I got sober to try not to be become a dry drunk because there's such a thing where you become sober but you're just still negative all the time. I'm trying to look at the positive in my life. And one of the positives... I'm a little nervous though, but uh, this morning is my first appointment with my new therapist, and I'm a bit anxious, a bit nervous, but that's to be expected. That's the unknown, meeting somebody new, but it's never going to be fun just to kind of, I'm starting from scratch, so I have to kind of give her the lowdown of a little bit of brief synapse of my history, my life. But I get a lot out of therapy, and you can too. I mean, they're really pushing therapy, even on the TV ads with Michael Phelps and Selena Gomez, how there's an app. I can't even remember the name of the app. Talk, I think it's called or something. But it's a good idea to talk to somebody. So I got to fly my drone the other day. I'm so excited. Yay, it was such a blast. My beautiful bride, my wife Kimberly, went with me. She got some cool video and pictures of me flying it. If you're interested, you can head on over to my Instagram. Later on, I'll tell you how to find me. But it was fun. Got to fly it at a place called Washington Square Park. Little park down the street from us, which has a Civil War monument statue in it. And it's got a playground, trees, all that. And it was just fun to fly it. We were going to go to the middle school track, but the track was closed for repair. That's where I've flown it in the part in the past. But the park worked out really fine. And, uh, yeah, over on, like I said, Facebook and Instagram, my wife took some video of it, and it was, it was just a blast to fly it. I get a little nervous flying it because it was expensive and I don't want to screw it up. So I was just doing like skill sets of like 
turning and learning and not going too high, trying the different speeds that it comes with. And I've only flown it a total of an hour and some change once you put all the flights together. So not even 40 times yet. And I've had it for quite some time. You've heard me talk about my drone more than once. But, um, oh my gosh. So I forgot to tell you the other day, after my scuba diving trip with my brother-in-law, Jason, he dropped me off and we were unloading the boat in front of my house and I grabbed everything and I thought I had everything. And I left my phone right on the side rail of the boat in the back near the motor. And uh, thank goodness I have a case that my oldest daughter gave me and it's like leather and that leather helped be like velcro so it didn't slide and move and as soon as my brother-in-law drove away it i instantly knew oh crap i left my phone either in his truck but i knew right in my heart i was like i left it right on the boat and he drives off, and there's no way for me to get a hold of him. I'm flipping out, and my wife had worked the night before, so I ran upstairs. Well, first I jumped in my car, thinking I could catch up with him and try to flash him down and get him to pull over. And I was like, that's nonsense. That's going to get me nowhere. So I, I took a quick trip around the block, <laughs> pulled back in the driveway, ran upstairs, woke my wife up out of a sound sleep, and said, you need to call your little brother right now. My phone is on the boat. My phone is on the boat. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know how it is when you first wake up. And uh, we were able to get a hold of him. And by the grace, I don't know what it was, he got across Bridge Street in Oswego and was driving, heading towards Wolcott. It, I don't know if it would have made it the whole trip, but once he got up to speed, it might not have. But the boat trailers are bouncy and everything, and it made it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I almost lost my phone. All right, stick around. We'll be right back. And, you know, it's so weird. It's just a phone, but I flipped out so much because everything I have is on my phone, on my banking info, everything, just everything, all my contacts. Like, if I had a home phone, I wouldn't even have known how to get a hold of my brother-in-law because I don't know his number. It's I don't even barely remember my phone number. I do remember the phone number to We Live on a Planet, though. And I would like to give you the website right now because I was talking about that video. You can go to WLOAP.com. And from there, you can find all my social media platforms that I'm on. And you can see that drone video if you'd like. And also, I would love to hear from you. You could give me a call on my Google Voice. It'll ring five times before it picks up to voicemail. And that's area code 315-326-1882. 315-326-1882. Five times it will ring. But I would love to hear from you. So like I was telling you, I have my appointment this morning and I'm a little anxious and nervous, but I really 
hope I get a lot out of it with Hannah because medication isn't just everything. It's not just taking meds. You need, you need more. And I'm hoping with a fresh start with her, I'll be able to get a lot more out of my therapy than what I was getting. Um, I'll, my dive stuff. I was talking about that last show and saying that it was supposed to be here and it didn't come in yet. So it should definitely be here this week. And I'm really excited. I feel like if you celebrated Christmas or remember being a little child and remembering that feeling right before a really special occasion, right before a vacation or right before your birthday or right before Christmas or that feeling I've got in my belly right now. I know what I'm getting, but I can't wait to get it. I'm getting a really nice BCD, which is a buoyancy control device. It's Tusa is the name of the brand. And it's a Conquest is the line. A BCD Tusa Conquest. And it's a hybrid BCD. I can't wait to use that. And uh, I got a really nice wetsuit, W4 waterproof wetsuit is the company. And it makes me, I'm going to look like the Black Power Ranger. <laughs> it's cool looking. It's really a neat looking wetsuit. Going to be nice and tight. I won't have that problem I had wearing a wetsuit with my brother-in-law that was too big where water just came pouring out. And I got a really nifty dive computer from a company called Shearwater. And this dive computer does it all. It's going to tell me my depth, my air, my rate of ascent. It's got a vibration mode on it. So if you start ascending too quickly, it will vibrate and let you know to slow down. At 15 feet, you're supposed to, uh, when you're ascending, stop and do an emergency or a safety stop, not an emergency stop, but a safety stop and hang out for three minutes at least. And this computer will help me do all that. But I can't wait to get it. I'm super excited to get back into the water again and get aboard the Arrow is the name of the ship I dive off from out of the St. Lawrence. And I can't wait to dive with Coach again and Scott, one of his uh, master divers. And one of the instructors, Pete, who helped me out, it would be great. I just, I can't wait to get back in the water over the shipwreck, the key storm, and explore that some more. I've explored it four times total, but I had to do skill sets. So I was in school, basically. I didn't really get to my last dive with Coach. You're not doing any skill sets. You just get to enjoy the dive. And I've, I'm going to be doing those with him real soon. I would like to welcome Denmark. Thank you, Denmark, for tuning in. We appreciate you tuning in to We Live on a Planet. I got my ranks the other day. And uh, Denmark, we peaked at 203 on the Apple Personal Journal charts. So thank you for tuning in. And um, We Live on a Planet has peaked high in a lot of countries. I think Mali, West Africa, we peaked at number two or number one before. So that was pretty crazy. Stick around when we come back. We've got a little bit more rambling to do.
thank you. So if you follow the show, you know I was talking about scuba diving with my brother-in-law, and we looked for a shipwreck called the Mary Kay just past the lighthouse here in the city of Oswego, and we couldn't find it to save our life. And it's only in 45 feet of water, so, and the visibility is great. There's no seaweed. It's just all big rock bottom, and we just couldn't find it to save our life. And so I was thinking it needs to have a buoy marker like the Keystorm does in the St. Lawrence. And so I contacted the mayor here in the city of Oswego, Mayor Barlow, and left him a Facebook message on Messenger because he's got Facebook. And then I also emailed him about the prospects of having a buoy marker placed over the Mary Kay shipwreck. And I haven't heard back from him, but surprisingly enough, just fortuitously, uh, the way the universe works, I ran into an article that the Oswego and Oswego County is working with NOAA to try to get buoy markers over shipwrecks here in the in and around the city of Oswego and Lake Ontario areas. One of the proposed um, proposals for buoy markers is up to like, I think, 64 shipwrecks. And then the other proposal is up to 44 shipwrecks that are around that they want to place buoy markers and mooring lines. So that way people like myself and my brother-in-law can go out, go more right to the spot and go down and enjoy what Oswego has to offer. Oswego is a beautiful city. And we have just beautiful views, some of the best sunsets the world has to offer. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. These sunsets are gorgeous. And to know that we want to try to open up the tourism idea to shipwrecks and people diving is a fantastic thing. It's surprising. We don't even have a dive shop here in the city of Oswego. The closest dive shop is Freedom Scuba in Baldwinsville. And I encourage you, if you are around the area and want to learn how to scuba dive, that's the place to go, Freedom Scuba in Baldwinsville, and learn from Carl Coach. That's where I went. That's who I learned from. And he's got a great outfit. And uh, he just he cares a lot about you. He cares about your safety. He wants you to enjoy scuba diving and everything that it has to offer. He makes you excited about it. You are excited about it in the first place. But he just really cares. So hopefully these buoy markers go up, though. That would be awesome to have that. Okay, jumping topics. We have... Uh, what's, what's that? Oh, that might have been Jeff. Jeff Sharkey, car number 66 is a car that I sponsor, and he's a race car driver who races out of Evan Mills. And we've had him on the show before and talked to him. And this weekend, he kept it on the track, thank goodness, because it was a rough race for everybody out there. A lot of cautions. But uh, this was, I believe, his sixth straight top ten finish that he got. So kudos to you, Jeff, and keep going i think he came in ninth place and uh that's quite a feat to keep it on the track and keep going and plus to have those 
finishes that he's been doing. I got a hoodie and a t-shirt from him the other day, so I'll be representing car number 66 in and around this Ogre County area and when I travel, so that would be neat. All right, while we're here, I think we should learn something and try to get a wrinkle on our brain, and we'll do that right when we come back. Stick around. All right, we are over at the fax site. This is from Becca Marsh, last updated March 17th. 2021. A few fun facts about Play-Doh and his history. Oh, I loved playing with Play-Doh when I was a kid. I still would play with Play-Doh right now. It's part of every child's upbringing. You know, we remember using it in kindergarten and everything like that. Uh, but who invented Play-Doh? It started with, to start with, the invention of Play-Doh was an accident. Yeah. Norm McVicker, he wasn't set out to make Play-Doh. He had a family soap shop and one day was experimenting with flour, water, salt, boric acid, and mineral oil when he came up with a substance that is now called Play-Doh. His soap company called Kudo Products was based in Ohio, originally marketed his creation as a wallpaper cleaner in the 1930s. Why was it originally a wallpaper cleaner? It turned out that it made a perfect wallpaper cleaner as it did not contain any toxic chemicals, meaning that people could clean their walls without having to worry about staining their beautiful wallpapers. Wallpaper was huge back then. It also had a rubbery texture, therefore you didn't have to clean any of the substance off the walls after use as it remained as one solid compound. It wasn't until teachers realized that it could be used as an alternative molding compound for arts and craft projects at school that McVicker, McVicker began to sell out of his product. <laughs> the product just became, started selling out. In the mid-1950s, the product was reworked, rebranded, and marketed to schools as a modeling compound at an educational convention for school supplies in 1956, there was a demonstration using Play-Doh, and this is when it caught the attention of many teachers. 1956 was the, 1956 was the year for Play-Doh, when McVicker formed a company called Rainbow Crafts in order to produce and sell Play-Doh in the toy industry. Department stores across the U.S. began to stock Play-Doh and after it had been shown on various children's television shows in the 1957, it became a popular toy. Isn't that crazy? Just an accident. After much experimentation, McVigger had decided to sell his product in a cardboard can with a metal bottom as it would keep the molding substance from drying out. The substance needed to be kept moist for the molding, and paper packaging often made this product dry up over time. It was essential for McVicker to create a package to store Play-Doh that would keep it from drying out. The cans allowed Play-Doh to, to be in mass production, stored and shipped to various stores whilst keeping it moist in texture. In the 1980s, the product was changed to be packaged in plastic tubs 
as the bottoms of the previous cans had a tendency to rust. This also meant the product had an even longer shelf life and therefore created the opportunity to expand business. Play-Doh goes worldwide. In 1964, Play-Doh was sent to Britain, France, and Italy to be marketed in Europe. This was the first time Europe had seen and come across the compound. By 2005, Play-Doh was being sold in over 75 countries across the world. This was a landmark time for Play-Doh, and it has reached a global level of distribution. Isn't that crazy? There's so much more about Play-Doh and uh, the history of Play-Doh. I encourage you to head on over to the facts site and learn some more. Um, I do think it's pretty neat that in 2003, the Toy Industry Association selected Play-Doh to be part of its Century of the Toys list. Going on a list to be in one of the most popular toys of all time. Between 1955 and 2005, more than 2 billion cans of Play-Doh were sold worldwide. Do you still play with Play-Doh? Makes you want to play with it now, doesn't it? Now that you've just heard about Play-Doh. It's fun. It's relaxing. I have a thing called Theraputty that I had when I was in my car accident two years ago. And it is just like Silly Putty, but a big, huge thing of it. And you squeeze it and pull it, and it works your hands because I broke bones in my hand, my one hand. All right, stick around. When we come back, we're going to find out what happened on this day of history. We'll be right back. Welcome back, my friends. All right, we are over at the History Channel's website. We're going to find out some interesting history dates. On this day in 1804, Aaron Burr slays Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Hamilton shot high and Burr did not. Day later, Hamilton died. Have you seen Hamilton? Oh my gosh, that's good. But that happened on this date. All right, what else do we have? I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Keep my thumb a-scrolling. Scroll on. All right. Art, literature, and film history. 1960, To Kill a Mockingbird is published. To Kill a Mockingbird. Never read it. Saw it. Nothing. Here's one in religion in six. 1656, the first Quakers colonized land at Boston. 1656. Space exploration, 1979. Skylab, America's first space station, crashes to Earth. No one was injured, but it did come crashing. World War II, 1944. Hitler is Paid by a visit by a would-be assassin. Too bad it didn't happen, and it didn't work. They made a movie about that. Sports, 1914. Babe Ruth makes his Major League Baseball debut. I love Baby Ruth candy bars. Speaking of Baby Ruth, those are delicious. I don't think Babe Ruth would do too well in baseball today, but um, back then he was... He was the man. 
U.S. Presidents, 1767, John Quincy Adams is born. He's the son of the second U.S. President, John Adams. All right, 1970s. 1978, a gas fire incinerates a crowded campsite, killing hundreds. Oh, my gosh. On July 11, 1978, a truck truck carrying liquid gas crashed into a campsite crowded with vacationers in San Carlos de la Raptia, Spain. The resulting explosion killed more than 200 people. How horrific. Here's one for the Cold War. 1945, Soviets agree to hand over power to West Berlin. Civil War, 1861. So this is the beginning of the Civil War. Union notches a victory at the Battle of Rich Mountain. Uh, That was under command of George B. McClellan. And then American Revolution. We just talked about the Civil American Civil War. Here's one, American Revolution, 1782. British evacuate Savannah, Georgia. See your redcoats. And that just about does it for this day of history. That was us getting a little wrinkle on our brain. Stick around. We'll be right back. Dang. Dang. That did kind of go by. It felt quick. I don't know. I'm just rambling. That's what I do a lot of times here at We Live on a Planet. I appreciate you coming over. I can't believe that I'm knocking... Come on in. What's that? Oh, 500. We're knocking on 500 episodes. Hard to believe. It's hard to believe that I'm still able to do this because I I struggle with so many things. And I think the reason why we live on a planet is still alive is because I get something out of it. Coming out and talking to you is fantastic. But I get some kind of mental health boost out of doing it as well, talking, talking to a friend. Please contact me. I would love to hear from you. WLOAP.com. You can leave me any kind of little feedback. You can find out everywhere to find me there. See that little drone video and all that kind of stuff. Give me, give me a little love over on Facebook if you like the video. And then as always, Tell a friend about We Live on a Planet and do your best to stay curious and not judgmental today. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I'll talk to you again real soon. Peace.